Yep. Give me a nod yeah, when you're ready. Shooter's ready. Stand by. Hi everybody, I'm Frank Gow, joined by my co-host Matt Gunlock, and today we have another special guest, JJ Rakaza, coming on for round two. We also have uh, Sergeant Sam Nelson and Sergeant Go Josh Cardenas with us today. So the emphasis today, um, Sergeants Cardenas and Nelson, they attended a JJ Rakaza class at Shadowhawk at the end of August, and that was just a few weeks before nationals. And with the emphasis of them going into make mix season, going to Okinawa, Camp Pendleton, Lejeune, everywhere around the Marine Corps and teaching, we wanted to make this podcast specifically about instruction. So that's what we're going to be covering mostly today. JJ is a very accomplished shooter, but he's also very widely known for his instruction. That's where I first met him. Uh, I took a class from him in Covington, Georgia back in like 2020. I took another one in 2021. Yeah, it was a while ago. <laughs> But um, yeah, learn nothing but great things. Um, glad that these guys got the opportunity to go to his class. We just want to pick everyone's brain and come together for this roundtable. Um, but first off, JJ, thanks again for joining us. You've had a very busy month. So we ran into you at Carry Optics Nationals, and then you did Pan American, and then you did IDPA Nationals, and then Hurricane Ian hit, and you had to put like <laughs> armor on your house. So how are you doing, man? Good. We got super lucky with all that stuff. Um, it's been a great month, I guess we'll say. It's crazy how how busy a month can be. But my next, I knew that this was coming right throughout the year that I've been preparing for this last three months. I have four national titles to go for. And then I had a Pan American Championship and then a World Championship on top of that. So it's been crazy. And then throw in Hurricane Ian in there, kind of threw a wrench in the land, couldn't practice for about a week. Everything was shut down here in Florida. It made us nervous because we were supposed to get a direct hit, but we got super lucky, super, super lucky. But, I, you know, it's crazy to think that 90 miles from here where I, dr I drive to go train or see if some of my friends, some of my friends don't have houses right now. And um, some of them are still out of electricity. And it's just it's just nuts. Like we just got extremely lucky. So yeah. I, have to, I have to say, like knowing what it's like to go through bad hurricanes, you know, bad winter storms this past year. If you need anything or if anybody needs any support, let us know. We'll be happy to help. Okay. Okay. We'll do. Thank you, Matt. That's awesome. Yeah. First question is actually uh, for Sam and Josh, and I'll start with you, Josh. Yeah. Can you talk through the format JJ's class? And then what were some of your expectations before you took that class? wasn't so as far as expectations go i didn't really have an expectation just because um this was my first class ever like i've ever received um specific to use psa or specific to shooting in general i mean because we obviously um learn from each other at work with uh, with the teams and all but i never actually received a like a and i went to a class for an instructor and then and then go from there but um but what I knew and what you like, JJ, your reputation of like, you're just like really good with like instruction. You're really pot like a positive energy, just always like interface about it was just, that's what I was expecting to see. Cause that's what everyone told me, but I just didn't want to, I just wanted to see with open eyes and see what happens. And so 
Um, but you brought that same energy that I was essentially expect expecting. And it was just, it was so, it was, it was refreshing, but it was also just kind of like, like, oh, this is what a, this is what a fun class can be. This is what can, um, like I, I, I'm observing, I'm learning, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of things that I um, just kind of either it's blowing my mind. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Or maybe I can utilize this type of knowledge. And that was uh, probably the biggest expectation that it, or that was actually met. Um, and the format really was just a uh, um, pretty, I guess, formal and informal. He just, he just led the class, just said what we were going to do. And, you know, we, we joked around, had really, like regular conversations about things. And I don't see it was, it was the, that it was the best class I've ever actually taken um, wow. for a first class I've ever actually taken. If that makes sense. <laughs> like, you know I mean, like, it was just, it was, it was a good time. I really, really enjoyed that experience. It was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Sam, anything there? I uh, pretty much agree with everything Josh said. Um, I, I don't want to say I had expectations, but obviously you had taken this class. You pretty much dumped all the knowledge that you took from that class onto me. So I had an idea of how it was ran and what would be taught and stuff, but I still went in with an open mind and uh, had a blast and it was awesome. Cool. And then for you, JJ, so do you ever walk into a class? I guess we'll talk about that class at Shadowhawk. Do you ever have an expectation of skill levels uh, out of those students? And then um, just what are some of the things that you do to prepare for a class? Yeah, I do. I have a certain level of expectation when when I, I have when I when I walk into my classes specifically, it's it's I expect people to at least be more in an advanced mindset. Um, I the expectation of people wanting to be there that's already an understood. Like they took the time to be there, and you know they they, they booked me. My wife did. It's you know the, the whole process and all that. So I know they're already excited to begin with. But I want people that are taking the classes to already have done their work. So I'm not trying to hash out the clean stuff. Like I just want to move forward as far as I can because there's so many things I'm going to teach, right? And then there's so many things that can be taught. And so I, I want to take that opportunity. And in the two days that we have, I want to make sure to maximize that. And and secondly, in regards to me preparing, preparing for the class, I really just, a lot of the things that I do is I review most, so I review the topics that I like to cover in, in kind of like in a chronological order in some sense, but I'm going to always be keeping in mind that I'm going to be flexible depending the class will allow me to be flexible. If they want me to run, I'm gonna run. If the class can handle it, I'm gonna start taking off even further with that, right? And, and Josh and them had a really good class. Uh, it was fortunate that we had we had a little bit of a mix. I think there was majority of the guys that were there have already previously taken the class and, and guys like Josh came in and Sam with a lot of their experience and background. Um, it, was, it was way easier for me. So with regards to preparing for the class, really I reviewed some of my, my notes that I need to make sure I cover some of the critical points that I need to talk about and certain things that I know is like, like these are really important. I got to hammer and drive it in a little bit more because some, some of the classes I don't get to drive this in and whatever, right. Feedback from other classes. And then, and then I watch a lot of my videos, especially my um, um, field course videos. And then I watch a lot of my other students videos two or three days before I just immerse myself in that. And then if there's any topics that I talk about that I can tie into that, the class and, and if we get into the field course section, I need to be able to bring this up if it comes up. And then I just keep those in the front of my mind because there's no set, although I have a syllabus that I follow, there's no set class. Like you've taken two of my classes, it's two different types of classes depending on the class that I have. Um, the way Josh and, theirs and Sam's class went, I, I ran as hard as I could in the first day. Um, and then the second day, we ran all field courses. I think they allowed us because they got switched and we went all field courses the second day and it was awesome. 
Um, and then we had to adjust because there was a storm coming in. It just w- went perfectly the way it needed to. And the conversation just led in different, in many different arenas where I think Josh and Sam, guys like that, that have taken my class, or uh, bands have done their work. And then guys that took my class previously really benefited from it. Same with Gabby. Gabby was just, they just took my class six months ago, but we didn't have the opportunity to take the, take it to the field course as deep, as in-depth as we did in their class for sure. Yeah, um, the first class I took from you that was at South River Gun Club, that was a lot more beginner oriented. I could tell yeah. that you spent a lot more time being deliberate with your concepts. You talked about the 90-10. Uh, you made us do that thing where we draw the Sharpie and like try to hit that dot. Um, but a lot of those concepts, like that was the entire first day. We did some field course stuff on the second time, but a uh, second class I took from you was at Chris Tilly's range. And that was almost entirely practical application. So yeah, I was really interested to see how you like adapted. Um, Cause that second class had a lot higher skill level, like a uh, Nick Young and Billy Barton. Nick. Yeah, yeah. Like really, really good shooters that second time around, but yeah, no, really interesting. So this is for Sam and Josh and, and Josh, if you could start first, yeah. uh, what were some of the specific uh, bits of feedback that you received from JJ that you implemented immediately? And then also to go along with that, um, you know, everything that we take from competition and outside classes, we try and, you know, we try and create a lesson plan, a period of instruction. What's on the backlog to work on during the off season with everything that you receive from JJ? And then what are you going to put into the Marine Corps marksmanship competitions? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the two things that I grabbed um, that were like, that really stuck with me was the transition and your and your method of movement those were the two things that i saw that i was like okay these are things that i have to implement because it will improve my game uh the the transition i always thought that i was actually pretty good at transitions um just because i I would feel like i can just push off target as soon as i put uh feel the push and recoil but you you um you dissected it you you went even further into like um like what to focus on as soon as i as soon as the shot breaks it's not even the shots like literally as soon as i start pressing the trigger i'm going off at transition you and that's something that i never actually experienced was the uh the graph that you're talking about uh the line that you kind of like where you're the bump transition transition. yeah the bump that um that technique and learning like okay seeing it on a board and seeing like what is actually happening that kind of was like, okay, this is, it's making more sense. And I think that isolated skill, it was, uh, it's super important. And then the second thing was the movement. You're a master at movement. Like you, it's clear, like when you move stages, it's because you don't really, we're not really set. We don't obviously see you like shooting fast per se, but your movement is just insane. And so uh, the skate, the, the skating, um, the transition where you actually like you're doing that. Oh man, that like blew my mind. I was like, dude, I tried. I was like, oh dude, there's no way, man. Like I keep, why, why aren't I doing this? This is crazy. Man. <laughs> Um, so those, those are the, definitely the two things that I'm going to start pushing more for the off season. Um, I did have a question for you though, cause there's two things, uh, there's actually one thing uh, that I wanted to actually ask and we didn't go over was the mindset thing. Um, I know we, I know I asked the question during the course about how do you control mindset? And then I had an instructional, um, question as well, but yeah, that was the two things that I wish we could have gone over, um, which I'm sure we just could have talked about later. Um, those are the, no, for sure. yeah. Do you want me to address those questions right now? Yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Go for yeah, it. yeah, sweet. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So my biggest thing was like I have a hard time focusing on um, on keeping like a positive. Like if I make a mistake, I let it let I, I let it hurt my like I let it affect me. You know, it affects me through the next stage and throughout the day because I I feel like I'm behind and I just I have a hard time focusing, especially on 10, 12 you know stage matches. So what's like a method you use in order to kind of get through that? 
so it wasn't always easy. It was, I was the same way. I was up and down. I could focus on one stage, bomb, or maybe two stages and a bomb, like a third stage or something, not necessarily bomb, but like do bad. And then something that will let me, that will affect me negatively for the next stage. And then before I can fight back again. Right. And it's, and it was years, it took me years and years to figure out what, like, what do I need? Meditation. I did a lot of these classes, focus drills. I did a lot of those things and it never really translated. The one thing that I started to really do, uh, and it's sad, right? Because it's 2018, it was only about four or five years ago. In 2018, I started to implement scenarios and expectation, levels of expectation in my training. So remember phase one, two, and three mm-hmm. in my process, training process, right? Phase two is basically just explore and push and allowing myself to fail and emotions get, get all carried away and all that stuff. Phase three, one, one thing I didn't talk about it in class necessarily was, was that in phase three, when I'm in phase three, I'm, in, I'm focusing on execution, right? Pure execution. I'm establishing my pace for the match and I'm going to stick with this and trust this, right? And the reason why I can trust it is I start experimenting and I start really playing scenario-based stuff that I'm going to pull off in the match. So one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to create an expectation, which creates a level of tension in my shooting, creates some sort of pressure. It kind of builds in training. I'm going to go, all right, I'm going to shoot six targets and there's two poppers here. I'm going to move from this position to this position. And I'm going to shoot three targets and a left target, a left position with, with um, the steel. And I'm going to go to the right target. And there's going to be another three, I mean, right position, another three targets and two steals. Every single shot. I, I don't want to, I don't want to see any more than two Charlies on this run. And I want to be able to shoot it um, consistently, not, not push, just a, a regular base, basically a base pace. And I'll, I'll like execute that. When I run it, I don't want, I'm going to tell myself, I don't, want any, uh, I don't want anything more than two Charlies, and I don't want anything, uh, any pickup shots on steel. That's the expectation that I set, right? I run that drill, and if I can meet that, that expectation, then I start going, all right, can I repeat that same exact pace and repeat that drill? I'll repeat it again, repeat it again, two to three times. If I can do it two to three times, that's what I call scenario one. Scenario one is basically if I need a base pace at the match that I can know I can pull off a 99% execution, that's what I'm going to go with. Number two scenario is, all right, let's say I'm, I have a, it's a tight match between the top. And then I go, I need about five points of makeup here or there where I'm going to need to maybe either create, if maybe you have a small lead or I'm right with the leaders and I need to create some distance with, with, between me and them, I'm going to induce some sort of aggressive movement. And that's scenario two, but I'm going to maintain my shooting portion the same way my accuracy focus type shooting where two Charlies or one Charlie, whatever, depending on how many stages, there are, I mean, targets there are, how many rounds I'm shooting. Then I run that and I move aggressively as, as aggressively as I can. And then I start comparing the times for my scenario one scenario two if there was a difference and if, if my re- performance changed my results on paper as well i want to know i want to i want to make sure in scenario two that my performance changed my results on time but not on paper does that make sense yeah that's okay. scenario two and if i can do that three times in a row that's something that i'm going to carry in as a back back pocket if i need it on the match does that make sense yeah. Like, let's say if I go to the match and I only have two scenarios that I'm going to bring with two just in case scenarios that I need. And these are the pace. I go to the match. I shoot my scenario one. I always start with my base scenario and I, I shoot that and I go, oh, man, I'm a little bit behind off pace. I'm a half a second, a quarter of a second. Everyone's a little bit faster than me whatever it may be. Maybe it's the drill. I'll, and if it's only a half a second, quarter second, I'll start looking at points. If, they, if they're two Charlie's more than me, I'm not really too concerned about it. If, if, but if I'm, we're even with with the uh, points. 
and I'm literally just half second. I may let that run for three stages. And before I make an adjustment, maybe they're just having three good stages or two good stages that they're burning out. And then by the third stage, there's a hiccup. And then I can maintain this base space. If I can maintain my base space throughout the entire match, I'm golden, right? However, there are days where I go in the match right off the bat. And I'm like, oh man, I can tell everyone is a little bit faster than me. Their pace is better than mine. And I seem to not be able to keep up with them, even three stages in. And I'm now, I'm, I'm now sitting at fifth. I don't like where I'm sitting in, in, in the leaderboard. All right, so I'm going to pull out scenario two. Scenario two now is when I'm going to move a lot more aggressively. I'm going to start taking things on the move coming in. I'm going to start taking targets uh, coming out. I'm going to take targets on a lean and stuff like that, some control targets, but I'm going to maintain my shooting pace. And that's how I kind of, I, that's the scenario I build. Scenario three is what happened to me at Carry Optics Nationals. Scenario three is when I get far behind where just something happens, some wild thing happens. And I go, all right, I need to make up time, right? I need to make up a lot of points and a lot of time. And this is what I need. And this is now I'm going to push my pace in shooting while I'm still moving as aggressively as I can. However, if I move up my pace in shooting, I'm going to be willing to give up a little bit of points for some time. And, and I'm going to explain that a little bit here shortly and the reason for that. And then a lot of that has to do with mindset. Then I set that and I, I do the same, essentially similar type stage. And then I'll compare my time from my scenario one, scenario two, and scenario three. Scenario three should now be at least three quarters of a second faster than my scenario one. Maybe it's not that much faster. Maybe it's a second faster. Maybe it's a half a second faster. But I want to pay attention that it's better than my scenario two. And my points is not that much worse. Does that make sense? And I'm still winning. Maybe I gave up a few more points, but I'm winning by one or two points on scenario three. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. So three is the most aggressive. So now if I can do this in training and establish these scenarios that I can pull out anytime, once I establish that in phase three, my next two or three training sessions, I will literally pull out scenario one, scenario two at any given moment in time in my training session. But now I'm, random shoot, I'm, I'm shooting random field courses of fire, random order of targets and random sequences. And I'll just go, right, I'm in scenario one right now. I'm just going to shoot base, base, ba 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 ba, bing, 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 ba ba, bing, ba ba, bing, move, reload, da da, whatever. Okay, cool. Sits were good. Ta Charlie's and whatever, alphas, 99% with shots were alphas. Cool, tape it up. <coughs> Excuse me. And then the next drill, my dad would be like, all right, I want you to shoot this, reload, shoot that, strong hand. All right, I don't like the strong hand, but while I'm shooting freestyle, I'm going to go in scenario two. I'm going to move fast. I'm going to do this. Okay, cool. Same pace. Da, 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 da. Really aggressively move, reload, go strong hand. And when I get to strong hand, I got to go to base pace because I don't like strong hand or one hand shooting as much. So I'll just prep the trigger. It's all control. And then the next run, I didn't like that. I didn't like that result. I'm going to go back to scenario one. And then I'll make this scenario back and forth, assuming I'm shooting a match. Like every drill that I shoot or every string that I shoot is basically simulating a stage that I'm going to be shooting at national. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Right. So with that said, going back to scenario three, where I just need to be a little bit faster in overall time. And I'm willing to give up a little bit of points because I know in matches, what I'm trying to do also is start to rent space on people's head. If I'm in like, I'm going to tell you that, that story in um, nationals, I was leading me, Max and I were about one point and we were basically tied going to the second day. After the first day, we were tied for first place going to the second day. And <laughs> I guess I haven't, I haven't really told the story, but this is how it happened. First stage right off the bat, Max shoots two mics 
on the strong hand one 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 stage yep. right virginia count shoots two mics and i'm like man that's 20 points i was like, i can't believe max just gave me the win like here's the wide open door Niels was 20 points back from us i was a, that's comfortable if i'm in a lead by 10 points i'm starting to get comfortable 20 points i'm really comfortable right so max just gave it to me and i'm like holy cow i was like whoa that's i don't know what to do here i didn't expect that i didn't expect max to give it to me that easily and so I started thinking way ahead. It's like, man, that's crazy. I'm going to repeat the win and it's going to be an easy win. And I said, wait, I got to shoot the stage. I got to, I got to focus. Let me try to just go alphas. I'm just going to try to go all alphas and, and shoot in the middle and not take any chances here. Cause Max just gave me two points, uh, 20 points. I go to the stage and literally I remember on one of the, on one of the zebra, I came in and aimed in on it. And then my, my sights was behind the, the wall not necessarily on target yet. So I said, oh, move over to the right so I can see it. But I had already prepped the trigger and with a little bit more tension, I sent around into the wall, which veered away into the black. It's Virginia count, but I didn't even consider that I was going to miss. Not scenario played. I didn't visualize that at all. I panicked. I fired another shot. So I'm like, oh my no. God, <laughs> I got an extra, I got a hit. I got an extra shot. I don't know if I got an extra hit because I don't even know if that was a mic. And I'm like, holy cow, I started to take off and I'm like, oh, there's one more target an easy wide open target. I present, I'm like, don't, don't mess up anymore. Prep a little bit, I prep on this target, even if it's easy, prepped it, over prepped it, sent around over the, the, the head. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, this is unreal. Like this is happening right now. And I still got strong hand to go. So I reload the strong hand. I'm like, I'm, now my gun's doing this. I'm like, I can't see my red dot. Just don't even touch the trigger because you keep freaking ADing everywhere. And finally I see my dot, prepped it, bang, prepped it. And I controlled it, right? And I'm like, I remember shaking my head and you have two strings to do this. And I remember sitting there going, holy, sh you know, smokes. I just gave up the other 20 points and I was slower. <laughs> so now I'm, I was like, I'm down 10 points from Max on this stage. I'm like, what a jackass. I mean, right. Like what a rookie, right. Like so mad at my head and now emotions is driving my head. And I told you emotions, mindset, and physical skills is what's what allows you to stay in the zone. I was nowhere near the zone because at this point I'm mad, I'm embarrassed, and I just <laughs> effed up, right? I bombed the whole stage. My dad, I could tell, I can feel the heat. My dad was watching me. I'm like, he wants to beat my ass. So I reload for the next string. No time to cool off at all. I'm like, all right, just got to shoot straight. I shoot, switch the left hand, shot everything clean. I was like, just salvage it, salvage it, and whatever. I, shot, I didn't care for the time. I just shot whatever I needed to shoot. That stage alone, that mistake unhinged me mentally completely for the next three stages. And I don't, I just never happened to me before where I do, it's been a long time since I've done three stages in a row, back to back, back to back, mistakes like that. And, and the next day, and, and, and it was just one of those things that I couldn't get myself back to center where I literally, after the third stage, and I remember just, I threw another mic, um, I had four pickup shots on one steal, four or five. And my dad's like, where are you? And I'm like, I'm just shooting angry. And I remember I just, that was the first time I'm like, I know I need to tape. And I hate not taping, but I was like, I'm here to represent myself and I'm not doing good. Other people can pick up the slack for me. Let me take, I took the keys. I walked away from the squad and locked myself in the car. And I just sat and I, was, I closed my eyes and re-visualized and trying to get myself back to center. Right. And that was the big thing. So I got myself, I think I lost 50 to 60 points within three stages, right? So immediately at the end of the day, it didn't even matter. And the rest of the day, I was literally just clinging on. I knew it was such a bad day that I, at the end of our, uh, I shot the last stage and they were like, yep, that's it. I was like, wait, we're done? They were like, yeah, we're done for the day. And I'm like, 
gosh, dang. I was like, I can't believe I've done, I had a full bad day. I was like, that's terrible. I was like, how bad is the result? So I looked at the results and immediately saw myself at, I think, 57 points behind. Um, Max was only a few points away from Nils, about five points away from Nils. So I'm like, Max stayed in it. I was like, I took myself out and I just completely unhinged. And then I think there was Bleager, Mason, Miriam, and a couple other people on top of me. And I'm like, man, that's terrible. I was like, I had this and I know it's there. Mentally, I just fell apart. So the next, the third day, I knew right away I was going to go and, and face scenario three. I need to catch up. I need to push and I need to get in people's mind because if I can let, if I let any of the two, like Nils and Max specifically, including Bleager, because Bleager was only about 15 points away from, I think Nils or Max, he was well within the top three, right? If I let them get comfortable and get, keep this lead to up there, it's going to be very hard to catch him. No freaking way am I going to catch him, right? 54, 57 points. That's, that's like a mile already that you've let off and you got, you got 30 seconds to catch up basically. So, so I was like, all right, I need to start making moves right on the first day. So what I did was um, I rehashed what I did on the first, on the second day. And I, I made sure to not make the mistake. First, the second day I wasn't warmed up. I didn't sweat. I didn't do my visualization. I didn't meditate the day before. I mean, that uh, the, right before the match, because it was the morning start. I didn't do any of these. So the next day, I made sure to do all of the stuff. I checked off the list and I start, I got myself in the right mindset. Like, dude, it was so depressing. I didn't want to go. Beretta had an official dinner to go out that night to have a meeting. I canceled. I said, nope, I'm not leaving my room. I ordered room service. Uh, I ate in my room. I watched a bunch of sad movies. I just, <laughs> I put a pillow over my head. My dad just like, he, I, my dad even knew. He's like, he just needs to be alone right now. I was so depressed. I didn't want to go out at all. So anyway, the next day, got myself right. Felt started feeling good. Started getting the juices going. And I started to get nervous. I'm like, this is what I needed to feel. This act of nervousness. That yesterday, I didn't feel. I, had, I, I was too comfortable and too relaxed thinking I already had the win. So I was like, now we got work. It's like, let's see how respectable we can make this. And that was it. Stage uh, from one, two, three, four, five. I started to really just start to connect more and more. And not only that, I was more on the, on the edge in regards to pushing, but Nils was way too comfortable. So I couldn't even make an effect on him. Nils had a great day. I only made, uh, Nils was the only other person that had a great day that day. Um, and I caught up about 25 points on him, I think, because I think I ended up losing by about 30 points. But I was able to catch Max. It literally took all of six stages to catch Max. And I remember going to the third, uh, going to the uh, three stages to go. I looked at my dad. I said, Dad, I need to know points. I need to know how much further I need to go. He's like, to who? And I'm like, to, to Nils. And he's like, Nils is a little tough because he's shooting good, but you're within striking distance of Max. I said, how much is Max? He's like, you're about 20 points away. I said, all right, let me throttle on this big stage. It was a big Y stage and all that stuff. And I throttled up on that shot good points and I knew it wasn't Max's strength because it's further distance type shooting. So I knew I could make up some points there. I think or that stage, I think I made up like 15 points on him. So I was about 30, made up about 15, going to the night, two stages to go. I had I was down 14. I said 14 points. Let me make up another a few more here. Messed up a little bit, but not enough for them to to make a difference in, uh, on in regards to Max. And Max shot a, little, a few more D's. So I ended up getting uh, four or five points going to the last stage. My dad's like 10 points. Can you get 10 points in this stage? I said, I have a very aggressive plan. I'm going to shoot this as best I can. I said, dad, I'm not going to confirm alpha, but I'm going to get two hits on paper. And if it happens to land on the alpha, it's two alpha, but I'm going to accept two Charlie's alpha Charlie. I'm not going to confirm it. I'm just going to go for time and see if I can get in this headspace. And that's all it took. And it didn't, and not to say that I got in Max's head, but his performance definitely showed it through the day. He started to, um, 
get affected by it quite a bit. John Bleeger, I think, had a blow up on the second stage. Um, Mason Lane started messing up right away after the first stage and then just mentally was not there anymore, was checked out. And same thing with the guys that were in front of me because I was shooting so solid. It started to affect them in, mentally. Uh, Nils, just if I had two more stages, maybe like there would be enough to go, hey, what's JJ doing back here? He's making a pretty hard charge. But man, Nils was so comfortable and he was he shot so solid. And he's been doing that throughout the year. And I told I told him an NRA show. So it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens at Carry Optics because I can't wait to see what you, me, Mason, and Max will do. Because I think it's gonna come down to all four of us. And if Christian Siler is gonna be there, he'll definitely be in the mix for that. Cause I know Christian Siler, that's his game. He's an accurate shooter. So that will be awesome to see. Can't wait for the race to happen. It just Sadly, I didn't make it a race. It, we, I dicked it up myself on the second day. But that was that's how scenario two, one, and three plays out. I, ne I never get to talk about that in class because that's more scenario-based. That's more kind of a conversation here between you and I. In a class, it's hard for some of the guys can't even follow that kind of information because they're just going to be disconnected. Like, I'm never going to be in that position type of thing. Right. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, it's interesting to hear when you uh, see the perspective of like the top shooters in the world and like what goes through their mindset through like a, a, a big match or even just general just shooting in general. Yeah. And you kind of going, oh, I can relate to that. Or man, why did I think of that method of, of, uh, <laughs> of you know, what I mean, like it's so it's so interesting to hear. Yeah. And you and I had this conversation, I think, on that way to area eight. And um, I know for you. I don't do it because it messes with my head. I don't look at scores. I don't it sounds like JJ, you only look at scores in very specific scenarios. Like you'll go to your dad and be like, I want to know points. Um, but I think that's, that's like sometimes with the close race. And we talked about the scenarios, things like sometimes level confirmation, you need in the stage, knowing that you have to make up points has to be that much less. You're accepting a little bit of risk because what else do you have to lose? You're not, you're right. not, you're not, you don't have to first pick place. You got to try to, you got to try to win that. Right. So Right. Is there anything else? Awesome. We'll cool. Um, hey, Sam, it's your turn to speak. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Sam. He held his breath the entire time. The entire time. Yeah. So uh, right. I'll, I'll repeat the question. Yeah, repeat the question. Real quick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what were some of the specific bits of feedback that you received from JJ that you implemented immediately? And what's on the backlog to work on during the offseason? So for uh, the things that I implemented immediately, like Josh said, the skating through the stage, like first time I saw JJ do that, I was like, blew my mind. I was like, what is he doing? And then he explained it. And I'm like, how did I not think of this? It makes perfect sense. Like I used to rollerblade for, I don't know, five, six years. And I'm like, it, it came natural to me when I tried to do it. So that's one of the things that I started implementing right away. And then also uh, reloading into position instead of out of position. It just, it was knocking a second or two off of every stage, it seemed like. So those are the the two biggest things that I started implementing right away. And then for the uh, backlog I'm working during the off-season, I mean, we're going into MCMIC prep, so that's main focus for the off-season right now. It's just working on uh, refining these POIs, getting better at being an instructor. So do you have any specific things that you're going to be taking from JJ's class that you're implementing into the POIs to teach the, the rest of the Marines that you instruct? Um, or are you going to kind of keep it fundamental based, you know, more, more fundamental based. Um, obviously some of like the, this stuff will translate over, but at the, the level that we teach at the mix mix, it's, it's more fundamental based, not quite on the same level as JJ's class. Okay. 
Um, JJ, based on the feedback that you receive from your students, uh, how long does it take them to make enduring changes to their shooting? I, yeah, I remember seeing that question. It's a, it's a tricky um, question. It's, it's not necessarily like a year or six months or something like that. Um, it's however really much work somebody decides to put in it, right? It comes down to that, yes. And it comes down to like Josh uh, or Sam. They're, they're pretty high level, Frank. They're pretty high level shooters. And so it, it's easier for them to accept some of these things. But however, the crazy thing is, you know, you know better than I do. You pick up something new, you start working on that and you start becoming a worse performer because you're like, what the heck's going on? Everything's falling apart. You added something different and now your timing's completely changed and all that stuff. But generally... Plus we're generally, old, so it takes us longer to learn new things. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Generally, the big, the, big, um, the, the big picture, when people really come back to me and go, holy shit, I'm finally starting to put it together, is about a year to two years. Like that class, it goes, I've taken like this, I've gotten several feedbacks and emails and messages. I would say generally it's an average of about one to two years. And sometimes guys have taken multiple classes at gun to go, holy cow, dude, I finally started implementing this. And this is one of the first things you talked about on the first day and like, or like even prepping the triggers. Like, dude, I never knew that made such a difference in calling my shot. Now I can finally call my shot and then all this stuff. And I'm like, oh man, it's like, that was like the most important thing that I talked about because everything built up from there. But, you know, it's, it's, um, it's generally about one to two years. People that, because my class is, it's not, it's not, when I taught Josh and Sam, we jumped into fast forward mode and we literally went into application and field course and where the tire meets the road type thing and, and started doing a lot more focus on movement. Um, but the class, that even that class is a shit. Oh, sorry for my language. Crap oh, load of good. information. Okay. <laughs> it's a I, ton it, of information. You, you can cut you can cost it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, so, I specifically <laughs> put explicit in there. Oh good. <laughs> <laughs> good. So yeah, there's so much information. And then there's so much, not even just the, the syllable uh, syllabus alone, but within the syllabus, that within the small mini tick marks beyond the TPOs, beyond the EPOs, it's like there's small little details that that affect it. And then like from the way the control and attack target, the way I exit into a, from a position, the way I enter a position, it's different in how I move. And then if it's an attack target versus a control target, like there's small ticks and marks here and there for everything that most, sometimes people, when you're taking the first class for, for the first time, you're just like, oh yeah, I see that, I see this. And you're seeing the broad picture. And then you take the second class, like, holy cow, like we had two guys, I think that had the North Carolina class. Um, and it was like, holy smokes, because I never really put together this footwork part of this with the target because I didn't even see that the first class. I don't even know if I was there, but I knew I was there. <laughs> and like, those are a lot of the comments that I get, but yeah, generally one or two years for literally like almost that long lasting, it's starting to see the effects. Not that they're not seeing gains and progress right away. It's just that they're finally start starting to see them apply it and execute it in matches and actually see it in a video as opposed to just thinking what they're doing one thing and seeing a totally different person uh, on a video. No, I appreciate that. That, that really, you know, it, that helps. It kind of puts, that paints a picture of a timeline of realistic expectations. People can start to see the difference, which, you know, we're humans, we're, we're selfish and we're selfish beings. Um, and we want to know how long, things are going to take us. So by putting things in perspective, I think it gives the listeners and just people in general a realistic expectation of if they put the work in, this is 
this is the results that you can expect. Yeah. Um, see, here's the thing too. It sucks, right? Cause I want, I wish there was like a shortcut, but oh, uh, we all do. <laughs> unfortunately, like the, my, my example for me was Rob Latham one time had a conversation with me. He's like, you need to learn how to start shooting in rhythm. Your rhythm's a little off. Uh, the way your gun sounds on this particular array is not right. And, and I'm sitting there going, man, I shot that pretty good. I thought I was like, man, I was top three, top four. He's like, once you start figuring out how to shoot off of rhythm, and build off a stage, a stage plan on that, you'll start to see your shooting take to the next level. And I had no idea what he meant by that. So I tried it. I'm like, no freaking way. He's crazy to, to establish the rhythm before I even shoot the target array and then and rely on that to, to, to shoot the match or to shoot that particular array in that the way I, I, pre, I predicted what the sound is going to be like, not knowing what my sight's going to be, not knowing how the terrain's going to be, not knowing whatever, right? There's variables when you actually pull the gun and pull in on target and stuff like that. And I was like, I'm just, he wants me to shoot in a particular rhythm. I didn't totally know what he meant by that. So I took that and literally dumped it. That information I was like, I'm dumping that in the garbage. I don't need that. It took like three or four years. And finally, I started doing certain things. And then, and then all of a sudden, it just hit me. One of my walkthroughs, I'm like, holy smokes, I'm going to shoot this in this rhythm, shoot that in that rhythm. And I've, that's exactly how it should sound like. That's how I've been doing it for, for 16 stages now. I just got to finish the match and I'll win this. And I did it. And I remember I'm like, am I, is this what Robbie's talking about? And I finally talked to him and asked him. And he kind of like vaguely is like confirmed, like, yes, I want you to establish the rhythm, but, you know, add more details like sights and trigger and, and cover variables in there. But you're not always going to hone in on that and, and, and leave everything uh, live or die on the rhythm, but that's going to be the rhythm that you're going to predict yourself to shoot and blah, 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 blah. And then it went on and on. And now I teach it and I'm like, gosh, man, like I think Josh and I don't know if Josh and Sam, I, I think we were able to do it in, in the class in regards to the attack control drill, but you can see that the time starts to dip once you start shooting the attack control in the right rhythm from two, one, two to two to three and all that stuff. But I think, um, right. Um, Sam, Josh, did we, were we able to do that in your class? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Okay. Yeah, we did, did, you, did you see the, the, the significant difference in regards to time drop on, and when you change the rhythm and the way it's shot, was, was that your class? It, well, well, there was change. Uh, I think it was more from the other students that had never done that type, like had never utilized Correct. that technique. Correct. So, you know, and yes. like a lot of the newer shooters, uh, once yes. they implemented, they were like, okay, that made sense. And that's when they saw their, uh, their significant change in performance. Right. I think as you were already doing it, the rhythm was there already on yours, I think. But yeah, that's it. Yeah. Nice. Um, next questions for Sam and Josh. Josh, we'll start with you. Okay. Uh, what are some of the things you took from JJ's teaching style? Uh, maybe the way he explained things, his approach, the energy that you want to start implementing in your instruction in the mic mix. I understand that the mic mix are a different ballgame, mm -hmm. but you know, you were going there to learn from him in terms of shooting, but also you must have taken some things from him just in terms of teaching people and getting good people. Yeah, absolutely. So that was the, it was actually the second reason why I wanted to attend the class was was to, uh, was to for the instructional uh, development because I knew that you were a really, um, really strong um, teacher and just, I wanted to observe your style of, of instruction. So that was the hardest part because my weakness when it comes to instruction is that I, um, I talk a lot. And because I feel passionate about something and then I, I want to talk a lot and I want to be able to make sure that everyone understands the, the information or the, or the subject. And so I wanted to learn and see if you were really, like, see how you were able to balance that, um, that communication skill between the, uh, the students on um, getting, you know, the information to them for them to understand, but also to not just waste time, just me running my mouth. And then, you know, they get maybe 10 minutes of shooting. So 
um, that was the biggest lesson I learned was that, yes, you, you know, so you're, you're so like outgoing and personable and it's, it's fun. It's just fun to have a conversation with you, but also you just, you, you have reference points to fighting. You have reference points to, um, you know, law enforcement, like you use reference points for people to kind of, for them to click because everyone obviously operates differently and they can kind of grab onto that subject and go, okay, now that subject kind of matters. So I think utilizing an appropriate amount of, uh, of reference points to other things aside from shooting definitely helps grab people's attention on retaining that information. So I think that's big. I think that was the biggest thing I, um, I'm taking from that. Okay, sure. Right. Sam, what are you going to do besides bring donuts for everyone in the morning? <laughs> hey, I mean, that that's number one, right? I think both classes you brought donuts to, too. I was very thankful. <laughs> you also brought donuts to, to our class. Okay. I did. I did. Tradition. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty much what Josh said. Um, I don't really have anything else to add to that. You know what's crazy is that I, I also, you know, as you guys know, I could talk, tell stories all day long, but one of the biggest things I had to do, Josh, as you guys mentioned it, Sam, is that I, you know, we're super passionate and we don't want to skip steps in regards to words. And so hopefully they don't under, misunderstand what you're trying to say. And I've had, I have to be, I, that was, that's one of the things that I had to clean up through the years is going, I need to be able to reference something that will hit on them right away and that they understand how the body mechanic Art works if they were doing something in regards to body mechanics or whatever and then tie it into that and then like snip it and let them have it and see if they understand it. if they need more then maybe an individual conversation but i want them to shoot more because i don't like to sit there and chit chat for freaking 30 minutes 40 minutes and they're only getting 10 minutes of shooting uh, for each hour right but i'd say that uh because you you have a much you have a much lower i'm sorry um um, you have less students to basically work with. So, you know, anywhere from like, I'm sure like 12 to 15, maybe more, but you know, we have an audience of anywhere from 30 to 52 students at a time. And yes. with our new format that we just, uh, that we're going to be implementing for our, our mic mix is that we have eight hours in the day to do one subject. So now it's just all pistol the next day. It's all rifle the next day. It's all carving stuff or a close base stuff. So they're able to, um, we have more time with the students, but our audience base is still rel relatively large and, I just, my biggest, my biggest uh, challenge here is to want to balance that, you know, I want to be able to reach every individual person and make sure that they're all following um, through the instruction. But I understand that everyone's level of, of skill, uh, their skill level is not the same. So obviously like this person might not retain the same information that is maybe a higher level shooter. So um, I just want to ensure that everyone starts kind of leveling and keeping up with the, with the instruction. Um, but I don't know necessarily how to do that. I just know that I need to talk about it, but how else do I actually get to them so they can actually still follow with everyone else? Yes, no, I agree with you. Um, when uh, I worked in an academy a long time ago and one of the things I hated was an instructor would just sit there in the front and talk about like motivational stories. I'm like, man, just stick to the plan. <laughs> stick, to the, stick to the topic. I don't need to be motivated. You know, like I'm like, I'm one of the instructors. I'm like, I just want to get them out there. And so whenever I led the classes, whatever, I would go stick to the plan. I would name all the EPOs. These are the things that we're going to do. These are the main goals here. We're going to do it in the line. And once we got in the line, I tried to make sure that I had either line instructors or, um, or um, the tower make sure to throw reminders. And we got personal with each. We try to work with every single one. Reminders here. Hey, do this. Pay attention to one or two people. Pick them up. Hey, do, do this, do this. And then 
So everyone got that personal because, like you said, everyone's at a different level, and that was what always helped. So kind of translated. That was one of the things I brought into my my classes, even though it's a lot more controlled. I'm like, I do this. I'm like, if, even if you have a question, hey, can you say that in the second line? Let's get back in line. Let's start shooting. Get this drill done. Once it's your turn, I'm gonna get my eyes on you and see what the question is, and if we can address it right there. And sometimes, as you saw, I'll stop the entire class. And I'll go, hey, this is how I adjust this one particular person because this is how I'm going to communicate this particular skill set. And this is how we adjust because each person is different. And then I'm going to maybe the same topic, but I'm going to stop the class again for another shooter. But we're making adjustments and everyone's kind of learning. Go, oh, the same freaking um, topic, but he addressed that guy differently than this guy. And they both had a similar results in the end. Why is that? Because two different people, basically two different skill sets, et cetera. Interesting. Okay, nice. Nice. So, I mean, you brought up a good segue into um, our next set of questions, which is your teaching career, Jinche. So um, on your podcast with Brian Connolly, you talked about how you lied your ass off to get your first teaching gig. And how <laughs> it, necessarily, it didn't necessarily go that way. I think a lot of us have had that, um, that experience where um, I, I took a rifle class up at SIG and they had us teach like 20 cops at the end of the, the week. And they all stared at me the entire time like they were hostages, man. They gave me nothing. like. The entire time I was like lively, like trying to get them in it. And they're just like, Real. that's rare. That, that, that could be rare. You being lively at times. <laughs> <laughs> I was told, I was told specifically like point of feedback was to bring my personality the next day. So it was something that I was learning. Like it, it's something I struggle with. I can be very deadpan and monotone, but um can you recap how your first class went? I know it's not like necessarily a great memory. And then how, what changes did you make from that point in order to ensure success? Oh, so it's a, it's a vivid memory because it was a total failure. So right, they asked me, have you taught? And I was like, yeah, I've taught. I considered teaching, walking someone through a field course. Like that was me teaching, right? And so anyway, my first class was literally simple as, uh, I think it was a build drill, learning how to recall management, shoots fast, from the holster accurately and speed at seven yards. And I had a specialized group that I was teaching and these guys were pretty advanced already and I'd known that. And so I walked up and I said, hey Jay, you, you got the lead on this, take care of it. And the guy sounds good, you're a speed shooter. Just remember the lesson plan, I'll peace. And I'm like, all right, well, I, I kind of read over it. I'm like, I kind of know this already. I, everything I read, I knew. Everything they're saying, I knew. I'm like, all right, I kind of know. But I didn't really know it. I just knew it for me, but I didn't know how to disturb, I distribute it. Anyway, my first class is basically, I follow the EDIP method, explain, demonstrate, imitate, and practice. So I, was, I knew at least that. So I was like, all right, guys, we're here. We're gonna, this is what we're gonna do. Run this six round rhythm drill. We're gonna draw from concealment. From seven yards, we're gonna draw and fire at this QIT target, um, six rounds in the 10 point ring uh, in three seconds. And then they were like, all right, cool. That's pretty fast. Yeah, it's great dynamic. This is how it's gonna look, guys. All right, everyone step off the line. Uh, when the targets face, I'm going to draw and engage six rounds in three seconds in the 10-point ring. Shoot ready, target face, bladed, blah, blah, one, two, three, four, five, six, did my posting of action, reholster. Okay, got it. I nailed the drill. I, saw, I remember, and I asked the tower to face the, the target, target face. I, I walked the whole student out and said, look at this. The group is here. As you can tell, I didn't really shoot all that fast. Everything was going well, this and that. All right, it's your turn. Everyone went back on the line. All right, guys, you guys will have, you guys will be partnered up. Right, partner up. When you guys on the target space, you will have six, three seconds to shoot. No, I think we started them at six seconds to shoot, um, six rounds in, in the target. You'll start there and we'll start speeding you guys up. All right, one, three, target, eight, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, a bunch of shooting. I'm like, I couldn't even follow one person's 
rhythm in them. Man, that, that sounded all over the place. And target face again, and we saw targets all over, uh, shots all over the place. I'm like, I was like, hey guys, like stop the class. He's like, um, can we do that better? Can we make sure you guys hit the center, not just the target? And everyone's like, okay, I guess. And everyone walked back and I said, all right, guys, repeat it again. Blah, blah, blah. And I remember, I'm like, that didn't help. Like, everyone's still <laughs> the same shitty shooters. And I'm like, all right, all right, guys. So it's like, listen, this is the goal right here. This little circle right here is the goal. We're going to keep our sights on there and pull the trigger on there. All right? I was like, not this. Like, that's bad. That That's bad. This is what we want. And then I'm looking around, go back on there, start it again. Shot again all over the place. I'm like, all right, guys. They're like, hey, man, can you show us how? Can you Can you teach us how to do what you just did? You did it in half the time. We're doing it, and we're barely keeping it all in the sense. All right, guys, just, just watch. Just watch. Target face. I fired six rounds. See? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I remember saying, see, I'm proud of myself because I now got 12 rounds like this. See, that it's not that hard. Just keep your sights on a target and pull the trigger. And everyone gave me a look, and finally I feel a, a hand on my shoulder. and was like, hey, Jay, um... Al wants to see you. I think Albert, Al wants to see you in the tower. I'm like, all right. He goes, I'm like, but he goes, I'll take care of the class. I'm like, okay, sounds good. I ran up to the tower and that's when I got my yellow card. And they're like, hey, you get this yellow card because you didn't teach uh, very well over there. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? I was like, these guys are terrible shooters. Like they're, they're supposed to be this and this and they're supposed to be special and all that, but they can't shoot for shit. They're like, bro, you didn't teach for the last 30 minutes you were out there. You didn't teach shit. And I'm like, I did. I showed them what to do. Like you showed them but you didn't break it down into steps. And I'm like, what, what do I need? Because you never mentioned EPO. You didn't bring up the, the draw, the grip, the establish the size and index. And you didn't do, I'm like, what is, I was like, I don't need that. These guys are not five years old. I'm like you need to teach them. Cause some of the stuff that you even talk about when we're just in the lunchroom is even above my head. And I'm pretty competent with the freaking gun. I need you to learn to break it down. And I'm like, it's like, you need to shadow everyone. You're just, your job is just to demo and not say shit. Your job is to shadow. Um, ah, dang! What, I forgot his name now. He's uh, he's big on Instagram. Dang it! But anyway, he was former Delta guy. Follow and shadow him, and see him in teaching classroom. See him teaching the range, and see how it is. And just he'll mentor you. And then, luckily, I didn't get fired. I got, I just got to sit there and watch and watch and watch. So I didn't re- I didn't know now that you can never get enough details out there, and that's always been the struggle. Or like Josh said. I talk a lot. We talk a lot as instructors because we're passionate. We don't want to, you know, we want to cover all the details, but at the same time, your job is to make sure you're precise and concise with your communication skill set and to hammer down the details that are important ones and then see what needs to be adjusted. There are things out there that are really important details like grip, trigger, and sights and all that stuff, but a lot of people don't need all of that. Some people just need, hey, dude, you need to just fix your trigger. You need to just see your sights, and that's it, and that's more of an on-the-line type of call. You mentioned that throughout the thing, and you don't want to hammer that over and over in the in the vocal in the in the speech part of the of the class. But when they're doing it, you tweak each and every single person according to the results on target. But really, I'm looking at the way they're moving their guns around. If the gun's doing this, I'm like, all right, I need to hit the grip first. That's the first initial thing. But if the gun is doing this when they're shooting six rounds, I'm and then but their results are terrible. I'm going to ask that person right away. I'm like, all right, where's seven yards? How much sights are you seeing? And they start needing you to start seeing that sight picture. So each and every single one of them, I'm starting to cone in and tune each shooter to become a better shooter for their particular deficiency and stuff like that. So I've learned to kind of get better. And um, 
almost essentially treat everyone as if they're five years old. And I'm just going to keep the baby steps because the baby steps is if you keep skipping baby steps and just show them the secret sauce or whatever people want to call it, they end up will, will grow and, and progress, but they'll have a lot of holes in their game. And when the pressure comes, that's when the, the hole starts to get exposed and their fundamentals start to fall apart and the performance goes right out the window after that. too. And Frank, I was only joshing you, you know, I, I, it, I know, you know <laughs> I'm the same, I'm the same way, you know, I can be pretty deadpan too at times. I understand that, but you know, I had a sip of whiskey and I felt froggy. So I had to, <laughs> Dude, we're all, we're all Marines. The resting bitch face is real. <laughs> All right, so JJ, you've been teaching a long time. How important is instructing to understanding your craft as a practical shooter? So I thought I knew, how do I put this? I thought I knew a lot until I started teaching other people, right? And then when I started teaching other people, some of the stuff that I taught didn't really translate the way I did things or the way it came out. For them and I didn't see I didn't like the results so by teaching I've gotten to become a better shooter because I dove deeper into the science part of it and why one thing works for me and not the other and how do I need to make this better for me and how can I communicate this better for another person and so now whenever I'm doing certain things I've broken it down so much that I can either give you the mode the most detailed aspect of every of the one topic that I can give you or I can give you the broad daylight um, skim scam uh, the, 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 the skimming the, the note, notebook type uh, of reading of that particular um, what is that the, the cheat page the yellow pages whatever it is the, the cover whatever um, summary basically the summary of it as opposed to the detailed full description of this particular technique and um, so when I when I do that it made me a better shooter because now I can look at myself and go what are the critical points in this particular scenario string string of fire like when I used to go back in the days when we had scenario-based training like force a use of force and then we had um, role players I'm like what are my what are things that I can control if this happens like some of the things I can control is hitting the freaking target but where are the targets I don't know those are my big variables I'm not going to worry about that my job is to just scan and assess as much as I can while we uh, abound in overwatch leap I forgot what it's called now bonding overwatch I guess when we're moving up and down right set uh set uh set moving move type thing whatever it was I, I forgot now <laughs> it's been a long time since I've done that but anyway I remember when I'm set I got to make sure the priorities I'm like if I'm when I'm clearing my section I'm setting my POD, my perf my position of dominance. I right, make sure everything's clear around me. I'm safe because when I'm safe, I can now let my partner move and cover his ass because my job is cover his ass and his cover his job is to cover things that I'm giving up in the front, right? Like whatever it is, the sectors of fire and all that stuff. So I'm like, those are my priorities. If anyone comes up behind him, I'm going to take care of that and I'm going to make sure whether it's an attack target or a control target, I'm going to address it accordingly. And that was that was that. What are the critical points? And those are the things that I made sure I hammered out in the. The, the the known versus unknown world but in competition is really easy it's an open book test all the answers are there i just had to make sure i'm like all right at this point this is a critical point maybe i didn't recognize it as the critical point my baby i saw someone shoot it before me that it's a high level shooter as well two or three and then making the same mistakes on this particular area i'm like what's happening here and i start rehashing those things and then how much detail do i need to give myself sometimes maybe it's just as simple as hey make sure you use your left foot first before your right everything will get will get set on your on your sights or maybe it's more about 
hey, make sure you come in on this particular area, bring the gun up, bring the sights from north to south as opposed to um, south to north because the no shoot is underneath and I don't want my sights to get anywhere near the no shoot. So it relaxes me a little bit and I need that much more detail and I need to feel that wall and sights need to steady on this particular area on the target before I break the shot. Like that's the kind of level of detail or maybe it's just set my left foot here, everything should be right. Does that make sense to you? And that's made me better throughout the years as the more I taught, the more I was able to break down, the more I taught, the more I saw deficiencies, the more I can go, oh, I don't want to ever do that. I think I've caught myself doing that and then so on and so forth. So I think one of the less observed advantages to go into a class with a pro shooter is being surrounded by other shooters at a similar level who really just want to be there. Is there an ideal class competitions and size? And have you ever seen shooters uh, start to teach each other? Yeah, um, my goal in my class is always to try to get the classes to teach each other within the first three or four hours in the class and and usually i want them to, to kind of stay within the program of teaching i could sometimes i'll 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 like to listen to how they they are instructing or helping others because there's other instructors uh that come in my class as well and they start teaching and i just want to make sure i hear the communication is staying within the class uh principles essentially and then i can let them communicate however they want to communicate sometimes i can learn from that right if they communicate a certain way i'm like oh i like the way that's being said better than um, better than the way I've been explaining it. I'm going to, I'm going to copy that and take that, um, from here on out moving forward. Um, in regards to a good size in class, it's either 12 to 15, 12 is a good sweet spot for me because I work on a rule of three. A lot of times, unless I have a really wide open bay range, then if I have a wide open bay range then I don't care what the numbers are, I can, as long as I can get the efficiency and reps in, but really for me, majority of 90% of my ranges that I work with are within 30 to 50, uh, 30 yards wide and 50 yards deep, or maybe even just 30 yards deep. So I'll, I'd like to stay within that 12 because I can split the groups up into either groups of threes, four groups of threes, or three groups of fours, and then I can run it efficiently and I can have enough eyes where I can pair up the guys evenly. They're, everyone's kind of actively engaged in either watching the physical sense of the shooter and the other one is watching the, the results on paper and everyone's kind of constantly engaged. And I, I encourage people to constantly communicate. And, and I think I want, uh, one of my points to my class, I think I did have Josh take over. And I think Sam and Josh, at, at some point in class, I think, is that correct, Josh? I don't remember anymore. Oh, There's so many class, uh... but... It was actually Gabby and I. We uh, oh, that's told, right. Yeah, he told us to go to Bay Old. It was like the second Bay we were realizing, and then talk about that that particular skill set that you were trying us to isolate. And then Gabby and I talked about on it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I have, I think I have a photo of that somewhere on my phone. That's right. Yeah. So I like to force you guys to teach because I want to hear it. And then while I'm here, if there's a misunderstanding, because you can usually tell when there's a misunderstanding when you ask someone to repeat it. And then it's like going completely a different way, or maybe they're just misunderstanding one small little thing that makes a huge difference in the overall picture of things. And I've always realized that in, throughout my years in teaching, train-to-trainer cut type courses had a lot more deeper understanding than just teaching a bunch of students because the communication went further and deeper into the technique and all that stuff. I appreciate that. That, that really helps break it down. And that's something that you guys do at the make. Well, that's something you guys do on a team. You guys do teachbacks yeah. right, with each other. Definitely. It's like, I'm going to teach you the material, but I want you to teach it back to me and just want to confirm that you actually understand it. Um, so uh, as we keep going, um, just kind of want to highlight like Sam's path. So as I took your classes, JJ, um, Sam mentioned at the beginning, I'd basically like come back and I would like, I would teach back to him 
and that was back when we had just started shooting together and he was uh, he was pretty hungry and like going to a lot of matches um so i would say that he actually got exposure to a lot of your concepts before even like setting foot uh, at your class so um in a way he like learned a lot of that stuff from me and sam correct me if i'm wrong i think that helped you retain and understand that information better when you got to jj's class oh 100 percent like yeah. it was it was really nice being familiar with all the concepts i mean obviously not having them perfected by any means but whenever, whenever jj started talking about something i was like okay i remember this like yeah. I, i've practiced this before it, it's going to be easier to implement again because I've, I've already done this so yeah you just got the dollar store treatment through me it's it's no which no, exactly. yeah. it's better than nothing right it's better than nothing but um <laughs> um so i kind of want to talk about so you guys are sam and josh you guys are both and sam we'll start with you for this question um you guys are both part of a team but so at the class what were some things you learned from your fellow students and then broadening the question as members of the marine corps shooting team uh, how important is that team construct? Uh, how do you and your teammates like push and challenge and like teach each other, especially throughout this last summer season? So Sam, we'll start with you. So, I mean, at, at the JJ class, having the other students there that are all, we're all kind of learning the same thing. Uh, beneficial to me because we're able to um, critique each other and watch each other. And it's, it's kind of one of those things, like you notice somebody doing something and then you start to think like, am I doing the same thing? And then, you're able to either correct that or if you're not doing it, you know, correct the person that's, um, that was making that mistake. You just kind of feed off of each other and you're constantly um, critiquing and teaching each other about that stuff. And then have, having the team um, pushing each other, like, I mean, I'll throw out Scott Rader in this. Like, I'm, I'm always chasing him. He's one of the people that probably pushes me the most. And that constant pressure on me has helped me improve in the, the last few months. Nice. Josh? Yeah, because um, you have such a broad spectrum of skill sets when it comes to, like, the students that we were with. Uh, we had, like, Josh Shaw that was out there with Green Ops. Uh, you, you know, he hung out. So he he's, an, he's like, an insane shooter, um, just mad with a, with a clock. And, uh, but I know he is an instructional background and um, on his own, on his own side. So like watching him uh, be a student, but also like give feedback and things like that was learning, a learning experience. And then being able to also talk and kind of learn with students that are just starting off, seeing their perspective and what their, maybe the, what their weaknesses, maybe the things that I also uh, um, experience and their strength and their, um, and definitely their strong suits of like what, uh, what they're really good at and then how they can improve. So those were huge things that I saw that was really learning experience. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, and then next question for you, JJ. So you started teaching on a federal contract. Can you talk about the switch from teaching like agencies to teaching on your own? Yeah. Um, I really, for a long time, I didn't want to teach on my own because I didn't, when I started to really teach when the federal contracts, I started realizing how much I didn't know shooting i didn't know the basics of shooting i just kind of it was just i just i just did it right and I, I i was really intimidated by actually going out there teaching the competition guys because the competition the, the basic the federal the federal agencies or any kind of academy it's it's almost simple because all you got to do is is run the lesson plan and in the academy you're such in a you're in a either time constraint and you have to meet requirements right you have to check the boxes and there's certain 
like when I trained in academy, they were very, it was a, I forgot what the, the accreditation process was, but they were accredited. And so every single class had to be the same, taught the same, shot the same amount of rounds. I couldn't even flex and go, hey, have this guy t- shoot 10 more rounds because you're veering off the path. And now that becomes a different class than the other classes, right? And all this stuff. So everyone shot 250 rounds today. Like, so that was the easy part of it. Because all you had to do was deliver the product, make sure they had a good time and they, they learned. Right. But the competition class was so intimidating because these guys are looking for what's more and what's more out there. And, and, and you're, you're, you go out there to start teaching your classes. It's kind of like one of those. What do I have a solid curriculum? Do I have do I have even something to offer to these guys? Because I don't want to just go out there to teach just to teach. I want to I want to teach it if I have something to offer. And my first initial classes, the I mean, the first decision for me to teach out there was I go. I watch a bunch of people's videos way back in the days when it was like Friendster and a little bit of Facebook and stuff like that and starting to see my videos and I go, I don't, there's not many people that do what I do in this part of the game. And I go, I wonder if that's, that's different. So I start, Max and I, I had the opportunity, we're good friends. So we go to teach and not teach necessarily, but we train with each other quite a bit. He's already been teaching with Amy quite a bit that time. And, and so when we shoot with each other, I'm like, he gets the same goal accomplished, but in a different manner. And I go, I don't do what he does because I can't, I can't follow that style because that's just not my style. But what is, what's his style and what's my style? I need to define that first. And so once I started defining those, those things and have a, a more like guideline of going, this is the type of shooter you are. It was much easier for me to go, Oh, I don't need to do this, but I, I can teach that if I have a shooter like that and I just have to understand it so I'll go spend some time with Max and have these conversations with Max Eric Rafael and I have opportunity as well to shoot against uh not against but with each other quite a bit since we were sponsored by the same kind of folks and we spend a lot of time with each other and we have these conversations and I ask them and I go oh these are things that him and I are very much very similar type shooting except he's just a <laughs> that guy's just a freaking different level than a lot of people right so including all of us, really, just it's just so crazy to watch some of his videos and things that he does. And you're like, oh, yeah, he probably has a mic on that stage. And it's like two alpha. And you're like, how the hell? But anyway, <laughs> um, a lot of it was really de- de- defining what kind of shooters I am and if I had something to offer. And once I started to do that, I said, let me do a pilot class for free. And, and I wanted and I made sure that the guys that I taught that that year had taken previous classes from other people already. So I grabbed like, I think eight people, a couple of the masters, uh, several of them were master class shooters and I've taken class from Tajer, uh, Max, um, a bunch of other guys that I'd known at the time. This is like early 2008-ish. It's, it's like that, 2009. That was like the first time I started teaching competition. And then once I started to do that, I, I taught it and guys were like, dude, these things right here, I've never heard of anyone teach it. Because I've heard of prepping a trigger, but you take it to the next level and you tie it to this. He goes, can you hammer down on that a little bit more? And, I, and so I'd go home and start typing more and more and more and more and more things started to get codified. And I like the, the gut, what gave me and what allowed for me to, 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 I guess, maybe propel my career in teaching individually was my time in the government and being organized essentially in the fact that the government always had a way about them to codify certain things, right? If, they, if it was in verbiage and you can write it and it's in bold, there's a definition from it. Once I started doing that to my to my to my lesson plans, there were certain things like attack and control, 
things that still ping on me, I became, it allowed for me to simplify my training process and allowed for me to be able to follow through and start defining the defining a lot more of these things. And then now I can connect the dots because everything is literally a full structure for me. I start from the top all the way down from my trigger finger, all the way down to my footwork from the micro to the macro and all that stuff. Right. And then now I put the overall picture together and I'm like, these are the things that I need. These are just combinations that depending on whatever scenario, whatever required skill set, I'll throw the combinations however I want to throw them, how aggressively I want to throw them. Maybe I'm just going to throw it softly into an aggressive, or maybe I'm going to go aggressive the whole way. And those are like, you know, scenario-based type stuff and all that. So yeah, teaching, teaching competition from teaching the government world was literally step one step at a time and teaching little guys. I mean, small classes at a time until I felt comfortable going out there on my own. And once I first, I remember my first class, I was so nervous because I had no idea. I'm in the middle of Texas. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know if this is going to go well. This is something I want to do. I really love teaching, but I don't like meeting new groups because I don't have an established repertoire with them. And I went there and my wife, I remember my wife, like, they paid for your class already. So you can fuck it up if you want to. <laughs> You're already paid. And I'm like, it's like no money back type thing. She's like, no. She goes, so you're already paid. Do your thing. And I was like, all right, let me teach. And it, I loved it. Like every class I go to, I'm super nervous as if I'm shooting a major match because I don't know what variable is going to be thrown at me, what challenges. And that's always the, that what makes me nervous is the unknown. I don't know, right? Like how is this going to be received? And it's like one at a time. And the worst is when you have a group, most of the, most of it's like military, like the guy, the higher, the specialized unit that I, you train, the more poker face they are about anything, even if it blew their freaking mind away, they're just sitting there dead space. And then at the end of the class, they just give you a thumbs up. Like, Hey dude, that was the best class I've taken. And I'm like, God dang, man, I'm, the whole week I thought I've been shitting in your, my parents, it was a shitty class. And they're like, no, that was a good class. And I'm like, Oh, thank goodness. Thank you for that assurance. I appreciate it. I like, Oh, I can't wait to see you back. And I'm like, you're actually going to invite me back too. Oh, dang. You know, you know, like those things, but the, the, the competition guys, it's easy because most of the guys are all my the competition world is so small. You've seen them once or twice in the matches and, and or you've shot with them. And it's cool because now you get I have more and more students now. And it's like, hey, dude, I'm, I look at I look at the top three law enforcement guys that won in nationals. They were all my students. And I'm like, gosh, those are guys like I I'm training. Those are the guys that I'd love to continue to mentor and love to get them in a group. And like one day I'd, I'd love to start my own podcast, like having. Guys like you, right? Guys like Sean Griffith, guys like Nick, guys like Point, um, Donovan, Get Mind and Mason, all of us together to kind of hash it out and see, hey, what's a good product we need to put out there and go, what's the, the latest and greatest thing that we've seen out there? And one of these days, and those are the best part about it because I'm still growing as a teacher, still constantly taking notes. Um, it's a mess, but I, I don't know if you can see this. I'll show you this. Those are all little notes. I don't know if you can see it little notes of my matches that I take of the plus and the minuses, the things that I did good um, on area seven, Florida open dragon cup nationals. Like those are little IDPA matches even there. Yep. I just finished that Pan Ams. Like the, those are the good things that I did versus um, and like some of the things that I need to improve and some of the things that are question mark, like how do I make even make this better and stuff like that. So yeah, constantly learning. It's never, never, I've been doing it for almost 30 years now just i can't learn enough like there's still so much more out there that I, you know i wish to be perfect but you can't it's, a, it's like ever evolving cycle so you, you just kind of gave me an idea and i got this off of another podcast uh but you just kind of reinforced a really cool idea and i'd probably need some help 
doing it and be an idea with the podcast. Um, why don't we get all those shooters, like everybody that you could dream of being on one episode and having a round table and then Frank and I moderate it that way. Like we can, we can pitch ideas to people, like just ask questions that people are interested in knowing and pitch this idea and having a big round table with some of the best shooters in the world on it. I think that's, that's something that I've been playing around. I think that's a good idea. I think, I think the best, I think we need to be able to do that. I don't know what platform yet, but I think having viewers and having live questions also when, when you have such a big group like that would also be a really good thing. I don't know if YouTube is a platform. I don't know how that's going to work, but like having a moderator is so, definitely good. So there's a way you could do it on Zoom. Um, I could have up to 100 people on a Zoom call and like we could put a link out there. Hey, if you're interested in joining on this uh, on this panel, you know, hey, we're going to have these competitors here uh, to ask questions to, you know, join in. You can ask questions directly over the camera with them, you know, so, something like that. Or they could put it in the comments. That way you don't you're not dealing with, you know, people's mics just going off. You can you can mute their mics. We, we could definitely uh, move forward with this potential idea. That'd be a cool idea for sure. I've been wanting to do that for something. I don't know. Something like that is something that Mason and I have th talked about it. I like the way Mason thinks. Um, I like the way he breaks down things. Um, we're, and especially that we're a little bit different in, in regards to some of our um, processes and approach. So I like mm -hmm. that a lot, but he's very, he's very articulate and, and he's, he's, he's like a verbal tactician is what I call him. <laughs> right. The way he blends words together. And I'm like, goodness gracious, dude, I can't, throw too many three syllable words out there um so but anyway like he would be a good guy tons of information the guy digs and digs and digs and researches everything and then there's a couple other guys out there that definitely i'm like this is another good dude that i'd love to work with and ask more questions about and that doesn't care just wants to have a conversation I'm like that's the guy because there are some people that i know that won't have a conversation unless they get paid yeah <laughs> and i'm like we don't need those people even though they're good dudes we just don't <laughs> need those people. well like after you know here in the next few days or whenever, you know, let's just start an email chain to where we're kind of, if you're up to it, let's just start that email chain and like add people onto it and see who'd be interested and all that kind of stuff. Sure. I'm down. Um, the only other question, uh, well, the, the only other question I have since we've been talking so much about uh, training and instruction and you, your class uh, where can prospective students find out about your upcoming classes? Uh, I, that's a good question. A lot of it right now is done through my wife's email, jessica.rakaza.yahoo.com. She just, uh, she handles all of it. And this year, this year was one of the first times where she sent out the mass email, um, the, the email list of these are the classes that we have scheduled and these are the locations, and this is what, you know, it's going to be. These are the dates, et cetera, and these are the locations, whatever, details. And then by February, my entire year got booked completely. So it was kind of one of those things where I'm like, I didn't, I didn't have to do anything, right? However, moving forward, I believe next year we're actually moving into, I think I, I'm going to have a website as well. I don't know what it's called yet. My wife's working on that. I, she keeps me out of the loop. I don't really want that anyway, because that's just information that clouds my head until I really need to know. But there's going to be a website out there that I'm going to start posting on my um, Instagram or, or 
I don't have any other social media. That's the only social media that I really have. But I'm going to start doing that there um, and where people can actually look up and go, oh, these are, there's a class open. I'm going to book myself onto that. And you can, it's kind of one of those classes, I mean, websites where I'm going to start being able to add more videos of mine, topics that I want to discuss and just leave it up and running for people to be able to view and stuff like that. Oh, no, that's awesome. Uh, I definitely want to get on that list. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, Gosh, I, should, we should, I should just invite you in one of the classes. You guys are in North Virginia. Carolina, right? Virginia. Oh, Virginia. Virginia. Northern yeah. Virginia, yeah. We're closest to Shadowhawk, which is why Sam and Josh took your class there. It is. You're close. Uh, how far are you guys from West Virginia? Uh, two hours. Pretty close. Yeah, two pretty hours. Close. What what base is that over there again? There's a Quantico. base there. No, there's yeah, another one. Fort Quantico, Belvoir. You have Fort Belvoir, which is where JSOC is. You have Fort Meade. Yes. You get- Yes, I think it was Fort Belvoir. Um, I may be going back over there. I wonder if you guys have access to that base, yes? Uh, to the yep. range? Okay. Uh, I don't know do... about the range. I know I have access to the base. No, no, no. I, if you have access to the base, I think uh, I'm going to be teaching a class there, a uh, specific group, and it's more likely going to be the same kind of stuff like this. Um, I can ask the TL, team leader, I think, or someone that's my point of contact is going to bring, bring, bring me out there. And see if I can add guys because they had a guy from um, the Navy join in as well, but he had um, done some work for them, so it was just a favor that they were doing for them. So it's one of those things I can just bring you as well. But like, hey, dude, can can this guy come up or whatever it is? Since you guys are going to be, and he's like, whatever, former military, whatever, maybe I need to say, um, it makes it easy for you to be able to get in and out. And I think all it is is a paperwork because I think it was like it's like a specific range that. It's hidden from everyone, but whatever. If with with this, the right paperwork, you can get in and okay. shoot. And they, they they like the the same setup that we have um, in regards to um, shooting movement and type of class. It's like a four day class, so okay. it'd be a total immersion for sure. Total immersion. That'd be awesome. No, thank you. All right, um, JJ. I know we got to get you going soon, so I'll wrap it up with one last question. Um, and so you talked about teaching at a federal level. You talked about teaching competitive shooters who have paid money and traveled in some cases out to uh, go to your classes. So I want to focus on some of the characteristics of like some of your best students and some of the students that have taken the most from your classes. So I'll open up the question to Sam and Josh first, since they do teach a lot of Marines around the Marine Corps. Uh, what are some characteristics of the ideal student that you'd run into at the Mig Mix, Josh? Yeah. Um... So ideally you want people that are, are willing to learn, you know, like they're there to, you know, go on a certain, like learn on a certain subject that they may not have gone on before. And uh, cause we, we had talked about the type of mindset that some people go in, like they're voluntold to do something. So then they're going to assume that it's going to be terrible. Like that's a very common conception in the Marine Corps is when voluntold, yes. it's probably going to suck. You right? get a lot of hostage students yeah. at the federal level. Yeah. And so you ideally you want anyone that's willing to learn and just be open-minded with uh you know with the instruction right yes it may not be per se the something you want to hear or that may work for your type of shooting or your type of learning skill but again you might pick something up uh that might be very specific that could uh eventually you know be effective later on in your um you know in your career or your shooting experience things like that well said yeah sam um pretty much same thing he was saying uh eager to learn is a, a huge key um a positive attitude and then just a m- mature mindset are the three biggest things that i look for i might have two specifics um what do you think of in terms of obstacles to learning ego and fear of failure specifically 
That's huge. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, Sam, you and I have dealt with some shooters who like couldn't really like go those. <laughs> like for, for sure. You know, like uh, and also like eh, there's a when you're in a class setting or even at a match, there's a performative aspect of it. And some dudes, I'll just say it in the military, have gotten very used to shooting at very like very soft, like very, very um low standard. Yeah, low standards. Like there's not a lot of time pressure, and you can just sit there and drill holes. But as soon as you put the timer to them, they just collapse. And there's a lot of like, I don't want to look like ass in front of all these other dudes who are good at shooting. So yeah, and that's that, that's something I was gonna hit on. Like one of the things <laughs> when I was traveling out to the mech mix is like you want students ha- who have a level of humility. Like they're not egotistical. They can accept instruction from anybody because like you know, okay, we're the Marine Corps. People think we're big badasses. Everybody thinks, oh, my unit's the best, this and that. No, hey, like, let's both take a step back. Let's both learn from each other. Let's both get a level of instruction from each other. I'm learning how you operate and you're learning how I teach. So let's go out there. Let's make this a success and let's continue this learning process. That's that's what I lo- look at, and that's how I carry on whenever I go out and teach. Yeah, I just thought it was a relevant question since we are heading into the mid-mix season. Uh, at the end of October, these guys are going to be teaching in Quantico, and then come early December, you guys are going to be teaching in Okinawa, so it's coming very quickly. Um, JJ, some of the characteristics of ideal students for you. The biggest things, like you said, is the, the big, uh, don't be afraid to fail. Um, and really t- check your ego. A lot of the things that I see is that when people, I, li- I like, I like the ego, right? I like the confidence. I love that when you when you step into the class and you know you have something to bring, but you're there to take the class and know your role. Like understanding your role as a student versus an instructor, you need to let that instructor take the lead and don't overstep your boundaries. Kind of stay within your lane. So to me, a lot of it is ego. I've seen many many egos being <laughs> swallowed up in classes because they've realized that they're really. Um, not, and th- th- those people don't get to learn as, as, as well. Right. Um, but the good energy for sure, as a good student, that's always a big thing when you're, you're, you're in there, it makes it such a pleasurable experience for everyone. If you're in there willing to learn whether it's a good class in, in regards to the delivery of the instructor or a terrible class, right. Either, or if you're there to make a good time and take something out of it, there's always something to be learned. Um, it makes a pleasurable experience for everyone. I think in general, that's always a big thing. If you have a sour, I've been super lucky. Man, I would tell you super lucky in regards to not having any sour or negative vibes in the class. I'm quick to call it out anyway, and I call it out and I make light of the situation. And then, you know, we we spin it around and we, you know, whatever it is, but I've been super lucky to not have any of that. But one person can totally ruin the entire class experience. Even if it was a good class, one person could just ruin it all for everyone's sake, which is kind of sad. But yeah, check your ego. Don't be afraid to fail. Go in there with a positive mindset of just wanting to learn. Don't be afraid to add either. And to me, one of the biggest 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 things as an instructor is i love hearing from my students communicate with me ask questions if there's a question that you think is dumb think about it first but then ask it anyway if you can't if you go and that's not a dumb question ask it anyway because the conversations is someone may be like oh i was thinking of that too like don't 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 just shy away and like hopefully we'll hit it no freaking ask the question I don't be afraid to ask that. Please just ask questions. The communication helps for everyone in general. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think this was a great conversation. JJ, thank you so much for your time. I think we learned uh, we learned a lot from this roundtable, especially uh, uh, in terms of teaching folks. But uh, any last words from you before we sign off? No, man. Um, I I can't. I'm really excited for for Sam and Josh. Frank, you're. We need to freaking push you a little bit. I know, right? but I'm super. Super. But you also you you've kind of you haven't been as active. I'm, I, I just got healthy again. So, yes. That's, that's why. Yeah. So that's the big thing. But I'm super excited for Sam and Josh. Because um, I think, Josh, you're specifically Josh, you're when I saw you shooting that field courses the day after the second day on a class, you, I'm telling you, bro, you're 98% there. And I think the 2% is just literally knowing and it's in the mind, like knowing you can be in the super squad and belong there. Sam is right there, right? He just needs to break through the hump of, um, of the ability to go push the speed a little bit and learn how to, that's going to come through training in the off season. And, and Frank, everything's there, which is great to see, but you, you just kind of, you just didn't, um, you got hurt. You didn't take the, you didn't, you didn't train as hard or whatever push. We need to start pushing a little bit more, but really I'm excited for like the guys, like some, some of the guys that I've taught this year, I've had some high level guys and I'm like, in training, when we're in class, I could, I could look at him and go, this dude can outrun me with a gun. I, I can't, like, and then, and then I go to the Nationals and I go, how are you not with me? Like, we were, you were out shooting me in regards to skill set, fundamentals, and execution, and all that stuff. But then we're here in this match. What made it, what was the big difference? And that's the kind of conversation I'd like to have more in the, in the podcast. Like, how come, like, Josh, how did you do at Nationals this year at, at Karyoptics? Uh, 31st, not my, 31st. Didn't, didn't even my goal. Yeah. Right. Your goal was top 20. Yes. I wanted to, I want a top 25. That was my initial goal for my first year. Right. And I, I, I swear to you, I, 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 when I saw you, I, I thought easily you would have been a top 10 the way, even as stacked as this year was, I'm like, if you just maintain this. And I think I even said that if you maintain whatever, you'd easily be in the top 16, top 20, like that would be an easy easy day right and that, that's kind of like a conversation for another day probably whatever is that i want to know where what what happened was it more mental was it more skill set did you, you know and i think a lot of us can agree probably you can say probably mentally you you faded out somewhere yep yeah mental right? it was it was the mental game that's that's my biggest hurdle right now my biggest weakness is i i can't um keep a, a, a consistent mental um focus mindset throughout because like i said the small things always bother me so that, that hurts the most so when you say mental, Frank, do we do we have a little bit yeah. more time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's on you, man. We can keep going. All right. So one more thing is that so when you when your mental starts to break down, right? Like Sam can you can pipe in anytime too. When your mental state or anyone can pipe in anytime, but when your mental state starts to break down, what part of your fundamentals starts to break down in regards to a specific? Give me a specific one in the match that 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 kind of was maybe a string of them started happening. Something I can tell you, you from for me, trigger control is usually trigger control and, and and being able to focus on my sights is typically the first thing that deteriorate. Like I could still move, I could still do everything else, but it's usually those two things that I can't focus on that on that front sight, and I I start throwing shots. Yeah, I, it's more. I, it's, it, once I start being, once I become fresher, if I know I failed at something, I I try to overcompensate with, uh, which shooting faster. And so my accuracy starts to suffer and I just want to go fat. I want to, maybe, maybe I, 
I botched that the 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 stage that you were talking about with the uh, the the one handed on that one long string right there. Yeah, I, that was one of the stages I messed up. And so like the following stages, I was like, okay, I need to make it up, so I should just shoot faster. Well, that was the wrong decision, but I get frustrated. And I go, I need to go, and it, it ends up being a you know an absolute dumpster fire. But that's that's what starts to push. Sam, do you have anything? Uh, I mean, what happens to me? It's normally the. Uh the actual stage planning, like my, my plan will just go out the window and I have a hard time remembering those stage plans. And then my footwork just is gone after that. Those are the two biggest things that happens. Okay. So here's the thing. Majority of us usually fail as what Matt says. It fails. Like Josh said, accuracy, which really comes down to what sights and trigger. Yes. Yeah. Right. It comes down to that. And it's really the fine motor skill that kind of goes away a little bit because mm -hmm. we start trying to muscle things away. Right. Me too. When I start to falter, a lot of it is because I'm no longer feeling the trigger, nor am I seeing my sights the way I need to see it. And now, since with adrenaline and pressure, I'm trying to go faster than even possible. Uh, I, I'm trying to go faster than I'm, I'm already pushing. I'm trying to go faster because I need to make up stuff, right? So we can all agree on that. that that's that. The second thing that I, I'm schooled that Sam brought it up, because the other thing that could fall apart is the stage plan, like your ability to execute because you you messed up the position, you overstepped your boundaries, now your footwork. If you're not able to correct that and ad-lib that, that's a very hard thing to kind of get back into the zone. Me, if something messes up in my stage plan, the first thing I need to do is get back to the tracks as fast as possible. If my plan was to reload here, even if I reload already, I'm going to reload here to get me back on, on the plan that I need to be on, right? I don't want to constantly think because now I'm thinking about what and how to do things while I'm doing the stage and stuff like that. But to me, when every, everything falls apart, the first thing I need to start hammering down is if I can, I'll walk away from the stage and go to um, a test bay or go to chrono and shoot at a berm. And I just want to feel my trigger, um, a really fast reset and a really slow shot. Boom, reset, boom. And I want to see a steady sight picture. And I want to remind myself of what a good sight picture looked like and what a good trigger feels like and then i go back to the stage and i'm going to try to emulate exactly what i just did and hammer that part of the execution and if i can focus back on that i forget about everything about making up bad stage because now i'm just focused on one thing <clears throat> and that is to pull my trigger correctly and see my sights the way i need to see it on a specific target a hard target whatever because that's usually where we falter a little bit right like poppers and partial targets because we try to start doing things weird and faster and all this stuff and if it's an attack target, I'm just going to see my sight. I don't give a care. I'm, I don't care if it's slow. I'm going to get myself back to center as much as possible. Because right now, something is off and it's not lining up. My timing in my shooting is not here. And this is not how I normally practice and operate in, in training. How come I can't do it in a match? I need to line myself back up. And this is where I need to see. And I need to focus back on my sights. See what I need to see. Feel the trigger. I could care less about the time. And if I, do, if I can do that quick, I, I'm right back to normal. And then, I'll, then I go right back to my base, my base pace, my scenario two and scenario three. Does that make sense? But without yeah. that base, without that solid concrete of sights and trigger, I can't even find my base pace, which now I'm completely out of whack and I'm just trying to do things. And now things are just harder. Now you have ten tension and dexterity. Everything all starts going out the window. But get back to your sights and trigger as quickly as you can. Like you guys knew the answer. We just need to hammer that down. And sometimes I'll, if I don't have a place to, to shoot, I'll dry fire. I'll go to the safety table and prep a trigger, feel the shot with a perfect slow 
pulling of that trigger even, and then I'll start to speed it up without disturbing my side picture. And I just remember that and try to memorize that. So when I go to the stage, I will try to just execute exactly what I just did. And the sooner I can do that, the sooner I can get out of my funk. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a useful tool for sure. Cause like we, um, I feel like when we're shooting matches in uh, particular, like we feel that we need to be around, like, I don't want to just leave the stage and just leave the team and, and not, you know, that, that kind of side, I don't want to just kind of be selfish in that mind, in that, in that manner. But I think at that point, it's kind of almost necessary for your performance to be somewhat selfish and just really, you know, get back into your, uh, into that focus mindset to shoot, um, yeah, I'll shoot the next stage to come. Yeah, you guys are you guys are part of a team, but this is ultimately an individual sport. And whatever right. you need, what you were talking talking about, JJ, is more or less like finding your center. And yes. with respect to like shooting, but what also stood out to me is like you said after that one stage where you like the, the one handed stage, strong hand weekend, you just went back to your car and you just needed time alone. Um, you also said the next day. Uh, some of the things that you didn't do in the morning, like meditation and like cardio, like sweating it out a little bit. I think those habits are so important to who we are. And we're not like, we know what, like, we, we know what habits you, especially JJ, know what habits are crucial to you operating at your peak. So I think it's the whole, it's the whole thing, right? We're all just trying to find consistency and we're all capable of dumpster fires at any given time. Anybody. It's it's what makes the sport so enticing, right? That's why you're nervous when you step up to a stage. Am I going to set the high hit factor or is this going to be a waking nightmare? Tyron's about to go. Let's go. (laughs) Here's one thing that really helped me, helped me a ton. Eric Rafael, the best shooter in our generation right now, right? The best. He told me one time, he goes, the goal to win nationals is to shoot 10% of the stage winner. Not the stage win or win a stage. It is to shoot within 10% of the stage winner each stage. Not 10% of the winner of the or of the leader, 10% of the stage winner. And that's the goal. If you're you're a master class or right, 85%, your goal is to shoot within 15% of the stage winner. And if you're uh, if you're A class, your goal is to shoot 75% of the stage winner. Does that make sense? If you're a GM, your goal is to shoot he he says 10%. All right, and because that's a little bit more of a give or take ebbs and flows in there. But if you can average within 90%, within 10% of a stage winner on almost every stage, by far you win it. I haven't been able to achieve that goal, but I've come close. And whenever I came close, it's been unreal how much the gap was in regards to winning. Is this the like, assumption that, I'm sorry to interrupt, is this, is this the assumption no, no, no. That, there, uh, that other the, your, comp, uh, your competition is going to make a mistake? Is that, is that where you're kind of, you're forming in that factor? Like you're assuming that they're going to make the mistake for you. You just, as long as you are staying that in that upper tier percentile, they make the mistake, you're in the game. Yeah. Okay. Ben Stoger, I think was one of the best examples. He didn't win a single stage and won nationals and, and won the nationals. Hmm. Yeah. It's more about consistency. Like dudes that celebrate stage wins, like, cool, man, you shot with your hair. It's like, it's like hundoing a classifier, right? You shot with your hair on fire, like Mike Pannone likes to say, and you managed to like you connected, like you 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 did you did one great run, um, but you got to do that There's every two, single 20, time. Twenty stages at nationals, man. There's a reason that yes. is the way it is. Otherwise, you would have you would have the you know the the one hit one one hit heroes coming and winning every single time. There's a reason it's a marathon. So yeah, the consistency I think is key. And I think that's transferable across any sport, any discipline, you know, not just shooting, but like, you know, bringing CrossFit games as an example, 
Yes. Um, what's his name? Jason, uh, Jason Medeiros, you know, he's, he's a two time fittest world man on earth at the CrossFit games. And I don't even, I, I, I'm not for certain, but I think last year, at least he did not have one win at any of the game events, but he still came in first just because he was, he was at the top and more consistent than anybody else. And he was more well-rounded across the board so it's yeah. transferable across any discipline any sport that you decide to choose hmm. yeah well i glad we had that great conversation um i think it's a good time to wrap it up jj thanks again for your time man i appreciate having you on um we'll see about future episodes i'm sure these guys will continue to want to pick your brain i, I enjoy talking to you sam and josh thanks for jumping on absolutely uh to our listeners we talked about a lot of stuff instruction competitive shooting some stuff about the upcoming mic mix i'm sure there's a lot of questions hit up either matt or myself on uh instagram and we hope you enjoyed this episode see you next time